who am I? I forgot who I am. What is my true essence? What I am underneath the layers of all my roles, masks, and layers of habits and expectations. Who am I? I am my name or my profession. I am my religion. I am nationality. I am student, father, mother, and so on. But the question still remains unanswered. Each answer is a relative identity, determined by my birth, family, education, surroundings, and material security, but none comes close to the truth, the true of my essence, simply that I am. Remembrance of one's essence is the key to understanding oneself, understanding the world and its relationships. In the Vedanta tradition, finding one's true self is one of the key meditation practices. Self-remembering grounds us in our reality and in our ultimate goal in life. And that goal is to realize who we are in our innermost essence beyond all external changes of time, place or activity. This remembering is called Smarana. Smarana is not remembering our ordinary self, our personality, our mental state or social status. Smarana is not looking back in time at what has happened to us in a past from childhood to the present stage of life. Smarana is remembering our true nature and essential self, which has nothing to do with body and mind, with thinking, with emotions and feelings. Atma Smarana is the self we were before birth and to which we return after death, and in which we renew our body and mind in a state of deep sleep. It is the self that still lingers in the center of our being, the spiritual heart. In the Vedic texts, such recollection of self is called Atma Smarana. It is remembering of our true self, our Atman, it is not Ahamkara Smarana, which would be just remembering our personal self or ego. We all have the experience of the inner self and unity consciousness, oneness, during the peak experiences of our lives. Moments of peace, creativity, love and insight but we do not know how to fully discover it and be in it. Rarely is it more than an inspired insight, a glimpse that we cannot sustain permanently, however much we might wish to. 
In order to remember our true self, we must let go of our outer self and ego, which is an invention of the mind and the influences of the outer world. This is difficult and daunting because we have so many needs, demands and desires to pull us out and distract us. It takes great strength of detached attention to stay in a state of self-awareness. But once we have tasted its peace, ananda, bliss, true inner joy and oneness, we can use this experience as a means to return to it. The calm of self-consciousness absorbs all other mental states. In remembering one's essence, there is no memory content and all memories are only of superficial value. It can take us beyond the deep-seated traumas and attachments of the mind and purify us of psychic afflictions. Smarana takes place in the negation of thoughts and silencing of the mind, not as another activity of the mind. True recollection requires that we forget everything except our innermost essence of consciousness. It means remembering who we are in a deep state of sleep, who we were before birth and what survived death in us. We must remember who we are in ourselves, who we are in the present of being not who we were in the past in the realm of becoming. It is not a matter of remembering who we are in the eyes of others or how the camera or screen represents us, but who we are as the inner witness, observer of all that we experience that no one can see as an object. Self-remembering is not a form of psychological analysis or an examination of our past memories. It is casting off the shadows of our past psychology in order to see the light of consciousness in the present. You can leave your outer limited and problematic identity of self at any time and return to that pure identity beyond name, form and action. But to do this, you must turn steadfastly inward. It cannot be sought in the world. Yoga, according to the Yoga Sutras, can be defined as self-knowledge, which is remembering the Purusha or the seer, the sage within us. The thought of the self is the root of all other thoughts, so Smarana is tracing all thoughts back to their origin in the primordial state of the self, who we are in time and beyond. Remember your true nature. The knowledge that leads to self-understanding, self-remembrance, is invaluable because it is self-understanding that enables us to live the life that is not controlled by our unconscious. And that is what yoga and all other spiritual traditions are all about.
That is why in the yoga tradition study is considered an important means of self-knowledge. The Sanskrit word for study is svadhyaya, which literally means self, swa, and absorption, adhyaya. It means serious and systematic study of the yoga tradition and of oneself. Knowledge of the tradition and self-knowledge go hand in hand. Traditional scriptures contain the distilled wisdom of sages who ascended to the very peak of self-knowledge, and therefore these texts can contribute to our own self-knowledge. Study in the yogic sense is always a path of self-knowledge, self-understanding and self-transcendence. It has been a regular part of the yogic path since ancient times. In his Yoga Sutra, Patanjali mentions, it is one of the components of self-mastery, Niyama, the second pillar of his eight-pillar path, path. Study is an integral part of the pragmatic focus of yoga. Yoga does not require blind faith, although it does emphasize the extreme importance of true deep faith, shraddha or trust. Mere faith cannot help us realize what persists beyond the conditioned or egoic personality. On the contrary, yoga has always been intensely experimental and experiential, and study is one aspect of this qualitative approach. In the Vishnu Purana, an ancient encyclopedic work, we read, from study one should move to practice, to yoga, and from practice to study. The Supreme Self is revealed through perfection in study and practice. Since study is a valid yogic practice, it makes sense to pursue it with the same dedication and consistency with which we should pursue the practice of postures and meditation. Just as the predominantly right brain, though action, approach to yoga has its pitfalls, a pure left brain, thought approach, is equally uncertain if not entirely pointless. Chair yoga is not substitute for real experience. If our practice is only theoretical, so will be our achievements. In yoga, theory and practice form a continuum, like space-time. It requires us to engage fully, as the Buddhists say, with body, speech and mind. Yoga, as Bhagavad Gita reminds us, is balance, samatva. Therefore, we should engage both cerebral hemispheres when we engage in the yogic path. Recall also that one of the meanings of the word yoga is integration. The ancient scripture Shatapatha Brahman declares that for serious students, study is a source of joy. It concentrates the mind of the student and enables him to sleep peacefully. It also brings sagacity and the ability to control life. What more could one ask for?